Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Thanks so much for being with me here today. It is Tuesday, May the 19th. Got a decent show lined up here for you today in the day after the long weekend. Uh, coming up in just a little bit, well, I'm going to be joined by my usual Monday guest, uh, Acumen Law's Kyla Lee. Uh, today, of course, marks the beginning of phase two of the BC Restart Plan, where we're going to see some businesses resume operations starting today. And, of course, once businesses start to reopen, well, there is an obligation to post your rules, your regulations, your protocols as to how you're going to do so safely, right? What are you doing in your stop, in, in your shop, in your storefront to make sure that you're keeping both your staff and your customers and clients safe. There is an obligation to do that, but what if you don't post it? What sorts of consequences could potentially be faced as a result? Well, Kyla and I are going to get into that a little bit. We're also going to be discussing ICBC's announcement from last week. Of course, ICBC put out that they are seeing a significant savings right now as a result of reduced crash claims. They've seen about a 50% reduction in the amount of crash claims that are coming in, and that's resulted in some significant savings to the public insurer. But, of course, that is also being offset by the fact that people are either scaling back their insurance coverage or canceling their insurance coverage altogether as a result of COVID-19. The fact that people aren't on the road as much, they're not driving into work, it has resulted in uh, more losses uh, to the public insurance company as well. So they are not going to be passing any savings on to consumers. And of course, there are a number of concerns with that. I spoke with the uh, BC uh, Canadian Taxpayers Federation and their BC branch on Friday. And, you know, there was obviously a, a number of concerns about the fact that, you know, you know, savings are not being passed on to consumers, despite the fact that there is almost $150 million or more than $150 million being saved as a result of those reduced crash claims. We're not going to be seeing any of those as uh, people who pay our insurance bills. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And to end off today's program, I'm going to be joined by a friend of mine, sometimes colleague, Jason Hewlett. Now, uh, Jason of course, longtime member of the Daily Newspaper here in Kamloops. He worked there for over a decade and was covering, you know, a number of news stories. And his, his beat was crime. Um, and as, you know, the last four or five years, he's tried to scale back his uh, involvement in the news business, right? He's had some concerns when it comes to just the mental toll that comes with covering negative stories. While on Sunday, he lives in the Brocklehurst area, and when things went down on Sunday, he was quick to react. He didn't think. He grabbed his, you know, his pen, his notepad, and he was out on the scene trying to figure out what was going on. He did some interviews with national and international media as well. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I saw him posting on social media after the fact. You know, once you're in the moment, you don't necessarily think about how things are impacting you because really, you know, the story's not about you. That's not what's important when you're out there trying to cover the news and get the story and get the details. But once you have a chance to get home and maybe reflect on the work you did during that day and you start to see and really feel and, 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 and think about the negativity that uh, comes with covering news on a daily basis, it does have a, an impact on one's mental health. And this is something that Jason has dealt with for some time. And he's been trying to remove himself, like I said, from the media business in order to be able to focus not only on his mental health, but other projects that he has in mind and, and take a step back and start to work on himself. And he's done that, but 
When things happen, we saw it with Parkcrest back in September when there was the big fire, of course, that burned down the school that was in that area as well. So that neighborhood has had a lot to deal with over the last, you know, eight, nine months. Uh, of course, we're also going through a global pandemic. And during all of this, you know, people in that area, I'm sure, are feeling the effects of, of just all the chaos that has gone on in the community. And Jason, of course, is a part of that community as well. So I'm going to be talking with him just about, you know, how his mind works as a former journalist and really a present-day journalist as well, because just that mindset doesn't go away. Once you're in the biz, it's hard to lose that appreciation for it. So I'm going to be talking with him a little bit about that and just the importance to make sure that you deal with your own mental health as we all go through these uh, tragic uh, scenarios and situations that we have to report on. But to begin today's show, well, I just wanted to take a minute to to talk about what happened here uh, in in Kamloops. Uh, First and foremost, I wanted to just give a a shout out to our first responders here in the community, uh, Kamloops Fire Rescue, uh, Kamloops RCMP paramedics here in town. Thank you so much for the awesome work that you do. It was on full display on Sunday, and we really do appreciate all the, the hard work and the quick response that we saw on Sunday, right? It wasn't very long before we saw there was something that was happening that wasn't a good situation, and you guys were right on scene real quick. So first and foremost, thank you for that quick response time and the awesome work that you do. Uh, Really do appreciate it, and uh, there's maybe the potential that it did help uh, save some lives. So thank you for that. Um, You know, Also to the the community as a whole, I mean, just watching what's going on, first and foremost across the country, right, when it comes to Captain Jennifer Casey, obviously terrible thing that happened a tragic incident on Sunday and, uh, you know, terrible loss of life that that had to happen. But we're seeing the support and uh, the condolences that are coming out nationwide uh, as a result of this tragic incident. It's really heartwarming to see and you know, I know Operation Inspiration wasn't meant to bring us together in this way, in the way that it has now. But, uh, you know, we're trying to bring some positivity to the to the people of Canada here as we go through a global pandemic. Not an easy thing to do, but the snowbirds were out there trying to do something to bring some smiles to some faces. And it ends in such a tragic and heartbreaking way. And so the people of Kamloops who have come together, we've seen the pictures of the memorials and we've seen the, what's happening at the airport and the site. If you haven't driven by yet I would encourage you to, to do so when there isn't uh, you know maybe as big a crowd of course we still are going through a pandemic so be aware of your physical distancing and maybe wear a mask if you're going out in that area of course we still want to keep everybody safe from COVID-19 but I think it's a really awesome thing that we're seeing out there and people paying their respects and paying their tributes and, and being able to take the time to remember Captain Jennifer Casey um, just a terrible thing that happened and, and it really has brought everyone together it's not the way like I said that we wanted to come together uh, but it is having that effect, and, and it's really heartwarming to see the appreciation that people have uh, for the work that she did and, and the work that the Snowbirds are doing. And also, of course, Captain Richard McDougall, who uh, was taken to Royal Inland Hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Um, so thankfully, he's going to, to come out of this. Um, in, in, you know, in, in the future, it's going to take a long time, I'm sure, for him to recover from what happened. Um, but glad to see that he didn't make it through. And of course, we uh, all wish him a speedy recovery as well. So I just wanted to take a a second to to thank everybody who was involved in not only the rescue mission, but also in, uh, you know, coming together to, to be a part of community and to really show that we care. 
you know, Kamloops has a big part. YKA strong, right? We've seen the the stickers out there on businesses, and I think it takes on a little bit of a different meaning here um, over the course of this weekend and now into this week. Um, so just hats off and thank you to everybody who has, uh, you know, taken the second to remember to think and to thank. So thank you so much for all, for all of that. And it's really heartwarming to see that Kamloops has come together in such an awe-inspiring way. So I wanted to take a second just to acknowledge that first and foremost. And, and of course, like I was saying, you know, we're going through COVID-19. I was, uh, you know, watching the news on the weekend and, and I was having a bit of a, a rough moment myself just thinking uh, and seeing pictures of what's going on in the States. And we're seeing, you know, hundreds of new cases still coming up every day in new provinces. And as today marks day one of the phase two of the restart plan here in British Columbia, I have concerns. I have concerns because I don't feel necessarily like we're going to be in a good place. You know, here in British Columbia, you know, we saw 16 total new cases over the past 48 hours. So on uh, Saturday and Sunday, over the course of those two days, we saw a total of 16 new cases, right? Overnight Saturday and overnight Sunday, there were eight cases on each day. So yesterday, Dr. Bonnie Henry announced those 16 new cases. So things look pretty good here in British Columbia from that standpoint, right? We're not seeing a ton of new transmission, no new community outbreaks. So that's all good news. But when I look at Canada as a whole... I, I just I'm a little worried that maybe we're trying to push the the thought of reopening a little bit too quickly and 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 you know I get it everyone wants to restart trust me I want to restart I want to get out of the house more than I have been over the last little while I want to see people I want to hug my mom and my dad I want to do all these things but you know in the essence of safety and 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 in the uh, you know need to make sure that we haven't lost focus on this pandemic and you know it was. It's something that as I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I don't want to talk about COVID-19 for a while, right? I just want to take a break. That What happened this weekend wasn't the way that I wanted to take a break from it. So uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that as well. And just remember, you know, as we go into the phase two of this restart plan, let's make sure we're all taking proper precautions to keep ourselves safe. Because you know what? As we start, we're going to be monitoring to see, are we ready to move on to phase three? I know today is day one of phase two. And Dr. Money Henry has said it's going to take, you know, between three to four weeks to really know if we're ready to move on to phase two or sorry, to move on to phase three, excuse me. But there's also the possibility that we do have to take a step back. If things don't progress the way that we want them to, if we start to see more community outbreaks, if we start to see more community uh, transmission, uh, trains of transmission that they cannot link to others, I mean, these are going to be signs that they're looking for to see if we are ready to move forward or do we, in fact, need to take a step back. So that's important information, I think, as well, because, of course, we're all looking to be positive. We want to see things move forward. We want to progress. We want to reopen more parts of our economy. We want to see more businesses open. We want to be able to hang out with our friends and family and all these great things but we can't put the cart before the horse and so I, I have some issue with that especially as I look south of the border and I see crowded bars crowded beaches no physical distancing at all um, it makes me feel like we might be in this for the long haul I knew we were already uh, I knew things weren't going to get you know they weren't going to as Donald Trump has said, we're not going to have a miracle. We're not going to get to zero cases. I always knew that was the fact. But I do wonder if there might be the potential for an explosion of new cases. You know what I don't like I was saying? I think we're okay here in B.C., but unfortunately, uh, you know, not everyone lives in this province and not everyone is in the greatest situation as we are. So I have some concerns about that as well. And I just wanted to acknowledge those. And, and like I said, uh, it's unfortunate that our minds were taken away from COVID-19 here on the weekend in the way 
that they were. So don't forget that, of course, we are still in a pandemic. If you are going to be in a crowd and taking part in some memorial services here for Captain Jennifer Casey, I would encourage you to do so. I think it's very important that we all get together and do that. But at the same point in time, just keep in mind your own safety. And with that in mind, before I do take a quick break here, I just wanted to uh, briefly point out that the Royal Canadian Legion Branch 52 Kamloops uh, is going to be holding a tribute ceremony to honor Captain Jennifer Casey, Casey, as well as support for the recovery of Captain Richard McDougall and for the Canadian Forces Snowbirds. That's going to be taking place on Thursday, shortly after 11 o'clock. Legion members will hold a brief ceremony, which will include laying of wreaths, as well as some speakers who will be delivering some words of uh, support and condolences as well. So that's going to be happening, like I said, Thursday morning, just after 11 o'clock at the Kamloops Airport, specifically at the location of the uh, CF-5 plane located at the roundabout. So members of the public are welcome to attend that as well, and all safety measures to ensure safe physical distancing at the site will be in place. All right, well, with that all being said, I will take a quick break, and coming back, I'm going to be talking with Acumen Law's Kyla Lee as we get into Phase 2 of the Restart Plan and talk about what the needs of businesses are to post those protocols that they are taking to keep sure to keep everyone safe as we continue to go through this pandemic. So stick around, and I'll be back uh, in just a little bit. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thanks for being with me here today. It is Tuesday the 19th. Today marks the start of Phase 2 of the BC Restart Plan, and with that comes some rules and regulations for businesses to follow as they begin to open back up. And of course... Well, they are supposed to post those rules for the public to see. I'm joined on the line now to talk a little bit about this by Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Okay, so as we get into phase two here, of course, there are a number of different businesses that are allowed to reopen, right? We got uh, personal services like hair salons and barbers, restaurants, museums, a number of different sectors that are allowed to start to reopen their business. And with that, of course, they have to post to the public, you know, what safety protocols they are taking uh, in order to open back up safely. So first, I'll just start by getting your thoughts on the fact that they have to post these regulations. Do you think that is an important step uh, for businesses to take so that the public know that they're being kept safe? I think it's absolutely important. Um, it allows the public to make an informed decision before going to a business about whether they think that they can, first of all, comply with the business's COVID-19 plan, and also whether they want to take the risk associated with entering that business. If they feel the plan that's in place there is not going to be sufficient to protect them, they know before they go. Um, and I think it's a, it's a, a well-reasoned order that people are, are required to do this. And what do you think about, the, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of businesses and, and you know, as we go through reopening, I'm sure 99.5% of them uh, that are looking to open their doors again for some sort of service uh, to make that available, uh, you know, they're more than happy to post the rules that they are or the steps that they are taking to make sure that everyone is being kept safe. I think uh, everyone kind of understands the importance around that, but I'm sure there will be, you know, one or two out there that, uh, you know, maybe aren't uh, feeling the need to necessarily post their guidelines up on uh, some sort of public viewing space. You know, somewhere where it's easily viewable for people. I guess, what, what do you think about that? I mean, if, if someone were to do that, um, obviously a number of concerns that come with that. Should some kind of penalty, I guess, be in place for people if, if they aren't following those rules and making sure that the public are aware of the steps they're taking? 
Well, this is a public health order uh, that businesses are required to do this. So because it's a public health order, uh, if people don't follow through, if they decide, you know what, it's not worth it to me, or I don't think enough people are going to come to my business, or I have a very loyal customer base, and they don't need to know, you could face significant penalties um, under the Public Health Act in BC for violating a public health order, and your business could be ordered to close immediately until you come into compliance. I mean, uh, of course, I understand that from a public perspective, the need to do that. But do you think that uh, maybe that would be a bit extreme to say that you, that you have to close immediately and, and shut down until you are ready to, to prove that you are taking necessary steps? Oh, absolutely. That would be sort of the extreme angle of things. I think the first thing was that if there was a complaint made about a business not posting the information, the first step would be to contact the business and say, you need to post this, just to remind them of the existence of the order um, and to direct them to comply. And if then they don't comply, there might be uh, additional enforcement, an on-site visit. Um, and if there's still no compliance after that, then you get into the escalating penalties where people are fined or ordered to close. Now, of course, this is, like I said, day one, really, of this phase. Well, not not really. It is day one of the phase two plan. So people are really trying to figure this out, right? A lot of these businesses just figured out what some of their industry-specific rules were going to be on Friday, right? As WorkSafe was releasing some new guidelines and more industry-specific guidelines, really just, what, three, four days ago. So not a lot of time for businesses that are looking to reopen as of today to necessarily get their ducks in a row. So I'm sure there's going to be some people out there who, um, you know, are just are, are unsure of how to move forward. I mean, is, is there some sort of grace period that you could see that might, might make sense here? I think that there would be a grace period given just because, I mean, this was very short notice. Uh, for everybody. Not everybody has necessarily been paying attention uh, to all of the orders or even knows where to access the orders, which are on the um, public health website, the BCCDC website, um, for anybody listening who doesn't know, um, and may not also know what it is that they need to include or how to draft it. Um, so if people are confused or concerned, they can call our office and we'll happily explain it to them um, free of charge, or they can, you know, there's lots of lawyers, employment lawyers especially, who are offering this type of service as well. Yeah, probably uh, good to know, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who are, are very concerned, right, as they look to reopen. They they don't want to break any rules, but the, there are a lot of unknowns or people just trying to catch up to what has been released as we're seeing things really change on a very rapid basis. So I'm sure there are a lot of questions out there, and, you know, whatever the answer today uh, might be, it might be actually end up being a different, uh, you know, answer here later on in the week. I mean, hopefully that's not the case, but just the way things have gone, I, I have to imagine that there is that potential for something like that to happen. All right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Well, we'll move on from this here, Kyla. So a, a lot of uh, important stuff to remember there, especially as people, you know, I'm sure we're all, I know myself included, are looking to start taking advantage of some of these things. You know, I'm very excited to see restaurants and pubs be able to have some sort of service, and I'm sure you are as well. Um, you know, just a chance to get out of the house and do something is really necessary and needed for a lot of people right now. So hopefully all those businesses are taking the proper protocols, and I know that if they want to open up, I, I can pretty much guarantee that they're at least putting a lot of thought into how they're doing so and making sure they're doing so safely. But we did also want to touch a little bit on last week's announcement here from ICBC. We saw uh, David Eby start to make the, uh, make the announcement, you know, that uh, crash claims for ICBC were basically cut in half. I believe it was a 43% reduction in the number of crash claims since COVID-19 uh, really hit us here in BC. And that has resulted in $150 plus million in savings. But none of those savings are going to be passed on to customers. I'll, I'll just start with that. I mean, we're 
you shocked or surprised to see that, you know, those who are paying for insurance policies are not going to be seeing any savings despite the fact that there is a big reduction in the in the number of claims? You know, call me cynical, but I wasn't shocked or surprised. I was disappointed because I thought this is a good opportunity to gain some of the trust back from the public that ICBC has breached through, you know, the mismanagement and that the government to some extent has, has lost as a result of the mismanagement of ICBC and the big changes that are largely unpopular that are coming through the pipes. Now, of course, uh, part of the announcement as well was, uh, you know, they saved $158 million with reduced crash claims, but they also lost uh, over 200 and some million. I don't know the exact figure off the top of my head here, but uh, even more money was actually lost because people are either reducing their insurance coverage or completely canceling their claims. I mean, is that justification enough for you to say that, you know, these savings are not going to be passed on? No, absolutely not. I I mean, if the government sells different insurance products and people change or cancel their insurance because they no longer need the product that they purchased, the government should have anticipated that this was going to happen. And when we, you know, started seeing changes happening as a result of the pandemic, the government had an opportunity to adjust and they did. They made, you know, they changed the rules so that you could change or cancel your policy without penalty. They should have changed what they were doing internally at ICBC as far as managing their um, managing their staff, you know, maybe layoffs would have been uh, appropriate or dealing with their investments to make sure that they were going to recoup the loss. They had to be able to predict this amount of loss during this time frame, and, and it looks like they just did nothing. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much what it feels like to me as well. I guess, you know, as we sort of see more people, you know, with particularly right now when we're talking about phase two as well as businesses start to reopen, I'm sure a lot of people who did either reduce their coverage or cancel their coverage completely are going to look to, you know, either uh, reinstate their insurance policies or increase the, the coverage that they are getting because there's going to be more people on the road, more people driving to work again, more people doing, um, you know, going to see uh, in-person counselors and things along these lines that are now allowed. Uh, I guess, you know, we're not seeing any savings as a result, um, but, uh, you know, we are going to see more people start to buy back in. So they talk about how much they've lost as a result of people canceling claims. But, um, you know, I, I imagine that some of that money is going to be made back here in the coming weeks and months as more people start to uh, reinstate their insurance. I mean, when, when, we, when I say something like that, I guess, do you, does it even baffle you more to say, like, how come maybe they weren't even looking at what could happen two, three weeks down the line when talking about how savings could potentially be passed on? Oh, they definitely weren't. And that's the frustrating thing about this, because I fully anticipate that when people start to reinstate their coverage to the level that it was before, when they change their policies, it's not going to be without the change fees. So they're going to be paying the change fees. The government's going to bring in that money that they supposedly lost by not collecting the change or cancellation fees with the new policies that are being um, being purchased and with the changes to the existing policies that were previously changed without a fee. So I don't see this as being as much of a financial loss as they're trying to make it out to be. It seems to me to be incredibly disingenuous. Yeah, uh, it's an ongoing, uh, you know, headache when it comes to ICBC, I think, for a lot of people out there, um, myself included, and obviously for you as well. We've talked about the, the uh, public insurer a number of times, and, yeah, you know, every time we uh, we bring up the subject, there seems to be more questions than answers. So it's definitely a frustrating subject and something that I know that we're going to talk about here in the not-too-distant future. I can almost guarantee it. But thanks so much for coming on, Kyla. Always appreciate you talking to me, and uh, we'll do it again next week. 
Thanks for having me. Awesome. That was Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick break here and uh, going to go back in time here. Uh, next, I'm going to be joined by Jason Hewlett. Uh, of course, he actually used to host the show prior to me uh, taking over here last summer. So he's going to join me. He was actually on scene for a little bit on Sunday when the crash uh, happened in the Brock area. Of course, we all know uh, the incident when it comes to the snowbirds and what happened and the tragic loss of, of Jen Casey. So we're going to talk a little bit about his experience there and just sort of the concerns when it comes to always reporting on negative news. Jason used to work at the Daily Paper here in Kamloops. He did it for over a decade, and it does take a mental toll on you when you're continuing to cover negative news. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So stick around, and the Jeff Andrea Show will be right back. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for being with me here on a Tuesday. I'm joined on the line now by a friend of mine. He's also a, you know, a reporter here in Kamloops, worked at the Daily Paper for more than a decade, and he's also done some work here at Radio and Ellen, actually used to host this show for a brief period before I took it over. It is Jason Hewlett. Jason, thanks so much for taking the time here. No problem, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I, I know that, uh, you know, the tragic incident that happened here on Sunday and, um, you know, obviously not something that anybody wants to talk about, really. I mean, it's something that happened and it's an unfortunate situation and it did happen right in our backyard. And this is something, you know, when I look at big news stories that have happened, um, you know, we always seem to have a focus on the negative. It's just a matter of uh, fact of how journalism works, right? If it bleeds, it leads. And it's, it's just the unfortunate reality of the way things go. Uh, you know, this happened, like I said, near your home in the Brock area. You had to deal with Parkrest here in September, and now we deal with this uh, this tragic incident with the snowboards on Sunday. So I just wanted to start by asking about, you know, just your natural instinct. You've, you're someone who's tried to get away from journalism a little bit here over the last three, four years, and yet uh, when you see a big event like this happening, it just seems to be a natural instinct for you to, to grab a, a pen and a paper and, and try to figure out what's going on. I mean, can you maybe just tell me a little bit about your initial response response when uh, when you saw that this happened and, and once we actually really believed yes a plane did go down well what was going through your mind it was it's almost like you're not even really thinking about it you just start doing right like i was at the daily news and you know, my, my beat was crime and fire and all that so it's just it becomes part of your muscle memory so before you even know what you're doing you just you're just heading towards the crash site right and you're next thing you know your family's coming with you because they're curious too and I think no one can really believe it, but in my head, it almost becomes like an autopilot sort of thing. You know, accident happened, tragedy. Uh, let's get the facts and find out exactly what's going on. And you almost are, it's like an out of body experience in a way. And then by the time you kind of focus in on what's going on and you're like, oh, this is, you're there, you're there and you're, you're talking to people and, you know, tweeting about it, which I wasn't you know, even really aware I was tweeting about it, but it just seemed like the only really way to get anything out as it was happening, right? And you have people calling you wanting to know if you're okay, so it's easier to put something on social media about it than it is to try calling everybody back. And that's kind of how that happened. And it was almost the same with Parkrest too when the fire happened there. You just started, it's almost like you do what you're kind of trained instinctively to do. Mm -hmm. it's, that's the only way to explain it. And 
you know, when you get into, or sorry, let, me, let me just take a step back here. So obviously you've been trying, like I said, to, to kind of move away from, uh, from journalism a little bit and, and not have such a focus on that being as a part of your career, right? You started working on other projects, which is great for you. But why did, why did you want to take a step back? What was it about, you know, being in the journalism gig and, and constantly reporting on really negative stuff that really took its toll on you? Well, for myself personally, um, it was because I was sort of, you know, it was, I was, the focus was crime and, you know, death and accidents and fires and tragedy. And I'd had stuff happen in my own life that I guess I hadn't addressed properly. And the way it was explained to me, because I did go into counseling uh, after, for a period in 2012, because um, I just wasn't coping very well with what was going on in the job. And the counselor I basically talked to said, well, it's because you have this, these issues that happened to you growing up uh, and in your own personal life. And she explained it to me that trauma, when you have the trauma happen, it's like a line going through your brain. When you experience other traumas, even vicariously, it doesn't put more lines in your brain. It just kind of widens that up. Did that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. So the issue becomes bigger and bigger and gets harder and harder to cope with. And after being in counseling for about a good, tough run for a good year and a half to two years, basically what, what she told me is you just need to get out and do something else or your mental health will, will suffer even worse basically right so that that's kind of what happened and so basically you, you then start trying to just find other other means of doing something but i really loved what i did and i enjoyed it and i like the, the rush that goes with it you know the adrenaline you do you do news jeff you know what it's like you kind of get an adrenaline kick out of things um i liked all that and i enjoyed the process you know reporting and writing about it or talking about it but it just every time I deal with something traumatic, it, it, even though I've done a lot of work, it does bring those other feelings back up. And each time it just gets harder and harder to put those feelings to bed. Um, and so that's basically why I was just trying not to have to, you know, not to be a part of it to the degree that I was, but trying not to completely walk away too at the same time. And and you can tell me if you feel the same way or not, but I know like when, when we're reporting on stuff and myself personally, when I'm dealing with, with stories that are, you know, not, positive right in nature they're they're negative stuff but you don't necessarily think about those when you're in the moment right like you, you think about it to a little bit of a, a degree but you don't get a chance to reflect and, and really um, ponder what what is actually happening until you know the dust has settled a little bit you get to go home at the end of the day and then you sort of get a chance to reflect on the work that you did or during the course of the day I mean is that sort of how this went for you here on Sunday right you're in the moment and maybe there's a bit of a rush and you're not so much thinking about what's happening um, from that negative aspect, you know, in terms of how it's impacting you. But once you get home, you get to sit down and, and take a second to yourself. Is that when it really starts to sink in that? Holy smokes. Uh, I, I can't believe I'm covering this. And, and it's really, um, you know, a terrible tragedy that I've, I'm now going to have to follow. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like, Jeff. Um, I found that at the paper, you know, you deal with like, you know, like Alan Schoenborn, um, you know, you deal with something like that. And, you, that you, there's a good week where you're on the scene covering it, and then when the dust finally starts to settle, like the weekend comes and you go home, it really sinks in. And it, that was exactly it on Sunday. Like it was exciting, and you know, because I was at the scene and tweeting about it, other media, even from like the New York Times, messaged me just wanting to get some comments. You're caught up in this whirlwind of excitement in the moment, and then Sunday night comes along when it's all quiet, and it, yeah, you just it sinks in. And then you know, yesterday was even worse. Monday was even worse. You know what I mean? It just you really, your brain just starts trying to process all of it. And sometimes it can't process all of it because so much has been digested so quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, this is, 
It's such a terrible time that we're living in right now. I mean, uh, I'm getting sick of talking about COVID-19 and the novel coronavirus and everything that comes with it, right? It gets a bit tiresome because it's been the same story now for about three months. And it was, you know, you almost want to say, man, it was nice to talk about something else. But no, that really wasn't the case. This is not the way we want to see COVID-19 take a back seat. And um, I just, uh, I really want to thank you for taking the time to come on and, and speak to me about this. I think, you know, mental health is a very important important thing to talk about um it, i think that's probably the toughest thing is that is that the case for you as well as once you you know talking about it and probably the first step but it's probably the hardest step is to actually admit that hey this is something i have to deal with oh yeah yeah it, it was something it's something you know all the time because certain people don't always react the same way and i mean when you're in like a, something like journalism and we do have concerns about mental health it's also a very tough industry and you know you're afraid how someone could react right like people still even though people are talking about it more they don't and it's getting more accepted, it's still not 100% accepted. And I don't think, I think people need to talk about it more. So I'm really happy to talk to you about it, Jeff. And thank you for wanting, wanting to, because the more we get it out there, the easier it is for people to take that first step and discuss it, which is the first step to, to getting better. Well, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. And, and thanks for uh, the good work you did here over the weekend as well. I know it wasn't the easiest thing to do and, and, and it's probably more instinct than it was actual uh, work for you to do that. But uh, really do appreciate it. And, and thank you so much. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you. That was Jason Hewlett, longtime reporter at the Daily Paper here in Kamloops. Um, and I'll just reiterate some points that he made there, that if you are experiencing, you know, any sort of mental distress as we see this pileup of sad and tragic events, whether it be, you know, the Parkcrest fire, this global pandemic that we're in, Sunday's tragic plane crash here in Kamloops, or anything else that may be taking its toll on you, talk about it, seek some help if you need it, and uh, try not to deal with it alone. Those services, of course, are out there for people, and uh, they're available for for, for everyone, and uh, there are individuals who want to lend a helping hand, so take advantage if, in fact, you need those services. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today, so I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and of course, a thank you to all of you for listening, and remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at noon.